Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I am doing so well. How are you today, Tim? It's just a beautiful autumn day out there. I'm I'm very happy. Well, happy autumn. Happy autumn to you. I believe uh, is today the solstice. It might be. It's we're getting there. I don't know. Right in this range for sure. So happy fall out there to everybody. And uh, Lance, this episode is is pretty great. We have on. A, a new friend that we've made. Uh, her name is Linda Conley. Linda's mom, Betty Conley, was shot and killed back in 1993 in New York. And we had Linda on before, and we also had Linda's aunts on as well. Yeah, Linda's aunts, uh, Marie and Rosie, they were amazing. They came on via Zoom, and they had the picture of their sister, Betty, there. Uh, and you can just, like, their pain is so palatable, like you can feel it. Uh, their pain, their anger, same thing with Linda. But uh, on the flip side, they're great people. Like They remind me of, say, what my aunts were like when I was growing up, just really genuine good people. And uh, Linda's a great person as well. Amazing photographer. If you want to check out her work, uh, lindaconnelly.com, you can check out her photography. But her story, as we've said before, she was on the show. Uh, her story came to us because of this viral video that her friend and colleague, Leanne Fivey, had made uh, with with Linda, with Linda's father, all about Linda's mom and the uh, unsolved murder. Yeah, it's a great video. Make sure to check it out. There's going to be a link in the show notes. And so this interview, Lance, more of a conversation, really, was taken from our Get Vocal Night with Linda from a few weeks back. We do this every Thursday night, a live show, 9 p.m. Eastern uh, on Get Vocal. There's a link in the show notes to those as well on the Crawl Space channel. And so make sure to check out the other two episodes uh, along with this one, because it is interesting. It's a fascinating case, and uh, private investigations for the missing might be picking it up. We've heard from Lou Barry about it, who uh, is definitely interested in investigating it. So hopefully we can pick it up. And they've been very vocal about it, Linda and her family. They had sort of a vigil that uh, took place a couple of weeks ago. There's um, those signs that are the, the lawn signs that are up in the area now about Betty Conley, about somebody knowing something. And just to reiterate, this was July 8th, 1993. Linda, our guest, was 17 years old when her mom was shot at 3 a.m. She was working at a convenience store in Saratoga County, a, a town called Charlton. And she was shot dead at 3 a.m. and $100 was missing from the register. And there's never been um, any real substantial lead that has led to any sort of arrest or conviction. So they're still fighting this battle and we are trying our best to keep the awareness and the profile level on this one high. Okay, everybody, hope you enjoy this. Make sure to check out justice4bettyconnolly.com. That's the number four. And they also have a Facebook group. There is a link in the show notes. Thanks a lot for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, it is 9 p.m. It's Thursday night. It's Crawl Space Live. How's it going? Oh, you know what? I've just been sitting here for a full week waiting for this Thursday night. The church bells at the center of my town are chiming away. The 9 o'clock hour is at hand. As it's going to be a good every, every week at this time. And we are being joined by a very special guest tonight. And I know I say that often, Lance, but... It is not every week where we have uh, such a tour de force like Linda Conley. How's it going, Linda? Hey, I'm good. How about you? Couldn't be better. Thank you so much. Taking the time out of your Thursday night to join us. 
Um, yeah, where to even begin with you? Your your interview before we get into the details of of yourself and your mom and your aunts. Uh, your interview with us was one of the ones that almost broke me. And as everyone knows, I'm a cold-hearted son of a bitch, and it takes a lot. So just want to get that out of the way. Um, give a little bit of a uh, background, if uh, you know, floor is yours for for as long as you need it. Thanks so much for having me back. Um, the first podcast was my first, and um, I think you did break me. Um, so <laughs> we're even on that. But um, <laughs> so I'm from upstate New York. Um, I'm a, a person uh, who is a victim of a, a. My mother was murdered, so I'm a victim of a crime in, in that regard. And I'm trying to, um, you know, get to the bottom of who did it. It's an unsolved case from 1993. So, you know, it's been 27 years, and and the goal is to get this finally solved and get it in the public eye. So, thanks again for having me. Of course, yeah. And uh, if anyone hasn't heard our episode with you from really just a few weeks ago on Crawl Space, and we ran it on Missing More Murray as well, so definitely invite everyone to check that out. Uh, we we recently, just, just the other day, uh, spoke with your aunts, Marie and Rosie. Um, for another episode, and uh, that that one's gonna be gonna be really emotional too. I'm super excited to hear what they have to say because I know they have some, you know, deep stories that a lot of people don't know about, and they're all kind of comedians. So it's gonna be, I think, uh, refreshing and a very lighthearted, uh, loving portrayal, portrayal, which would be nice to see about my mom. Yeah, and they they also came with some information that I wasn't uh, Tim and I weren't expecting about the crime itself, which was uh, very interesting. Um, but I don't want to say too much about that because uh, the way the that information is delivered to us, you I, I want people to be as surprised as as Tim and I were at that moment. Um, but they are su- they are such a delight, right down to just the emails that they you know the coordinating with them over the over email. Um, I just couldn't wait to actually see them in person because you could just tell that they were very sweet women um, and very genuine women. Uh, do you mind if I give a quick bit of background on on your mother's murder, just for everybody uh, who hasn't heard about it? Um, it was July eighth, nineteen ninety three. Your mother was Betty Conley. She was thirty seven years old, and she was shot in the back of her head when she was robbed at about 3 a.m. in the small town of Charlton, New York. And she worked at this um, this Extra Mart, which is like a convenience store. She worked the overnight shift. And the person who shot her got away with $100. And the crime is still unsolved. And it came into our world because your friend, Leanne Fivey, who works with you she's a she's a colleague of yours in the photography industry you actually are an excellent photographer um and she works with you and she had a desire to make documentaries and uh she wanted to do one well you tell the story you tell it what much better than i (laughs) than than i possibly could yeah so leanne is a a videographer and, and she's super talented and we were having lunch and we were just talking about how we wanted to to do more stuff you know, other, like we love weddings, but we want to do more stuff other than weddings. And she's like, I'm looking for something. And I was like, I, I got something for you. And I think like, you know, I, cause it's not something you tell people randomly, you know? And I think she was kind of shocked and she's like, well, I want to help you and, and let's make, make a video to, to kind of get it back out there to get in the public eye and make people see it to, to pay attention. And, and that, that was the goal. So she did, she, I'm forever thankful to her. 
Well, she did a great job. I mean, the the video that was shared widely on uh, Facebook um, was so emotional, and uh, and really, it, it's the way, there's so many aspects really to it. The way it's shot is very personal, and and your connection is obviously uh, really heart wrenching. And you go back to the gas station, uh, obviously where your mom was um, was killed, and it's it's really, yeah, it's it's a bit of an emotional journey just to watch it. I can't imagine living through it. Yeah, when she sent it, so she's, I told her, we did it in like maybe April and like May something. And I was like, hey, Leanne, can we get this out for the anniversary? It's July 8th. And she's like, yeah. So she sent me the video link at like 1130 at night on July 7th. And she's like, are you ready for this? And I was like, I don't know. So, you know, I click play probably like a lot of people. And then like just, I just started crying. I was like, wow, you know, she, she did, she did a really great job and, um, it has over a hundred thousand views now, which is amazing. And, you know, I'm trying to, to keep it in the public eye. So people are paying attention and, and the cops know that people are paying attention and the cops are working on it. And that was the goal. And the goal is to keep that momentum. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, Michelle posted the link uh, in the chat area, in the message uh, areas. Oh, there it is again. So if anybody hasn't seen it, just click on that again. Yeah, it is. It is super emotional. If you have seen it, watch it again um, and watch it for different reasons. Watch it for um, your dad. Like your dad is in this and and you can just tell immediately that he isn't used to being on camera. He doesn't he, he doesn't really want the attention. You can see that immediately, but he does it anyway. And the strength there is incredible. But, uh, yeah, watch it for different reasons. Watch it just for the cinematography alone. And, and Tim was right. Like, it's a very personal, up-close, and almost, in the best possible sense of the word, uncomfortable. Like, I get the, I get the feeling of being very, very uh, angry about, about something like this. And I, I, it, it, like, exudes off of you. Yeah, you know... Living with that is a, a challenge, but since that has come out, like I said, over 100,000 people have seen the video. Um, there's a, a sign in front of the store now that says who killed Betty Conley. Um, Global has um, reinstated the $10,000 reward leading to the conviction of the person who did it. On Sunday, I'm having like a little get to or Saturday, I'm having like a little get together for people to pick up lawn signs and, and flyers. So it, it did spark movement, which was which was the goal, but my dad does very much hate being interviewed. He, he, he does not enjoy it. No one really does. Uh, we just did a um, cold case special with Jerry Gretzinger, News Channel 13, that's in Albany, New York, and that's going to air the first week in September. And that's, a, that's kind of a big deal. It's like a three to five minute news clip, which is a while for, you know, news. Um, and uh, he, he, he agreed to do an interview with me, uh, with them, which I know he, he does not enjoy. Uh, you know, you're stirring up a lot of stuff when you do things like this. So. Well, that that makes sense. Yeah. And I keep pushing. I mean, I mean, the momentum you've got now, I think, is great. And and tell us a little bit more about what's happening this weekend. Yeah. So on Saturday at the Harmony Mills Fire Department, which is literally right next door to, to the place, uh, the, the old store that my mother was murdered at. Uh, I have 100 lawn signs. I have brochures. Um from one to three, it's just like a little meetup for people to to pick up, uh, you know, the, the literature and, and to say hi to one another, put a face to everybody and um, just to let everyone know that we're still thinking about it in the community. 
Well, that's uh, that's great. Um, and uh, the chat room is getting full. Sarah Turney is now in the chat room. Um, Linda, just this week or last week, uh, Sarah Turney's father was uh, charged with second degree murder for the murder of her sister. She is uh, one of the most amazing um, advocates that <clears throat> that we know personally. And if there's hope for for her case, that was a cold case, 20 years about, um, there is hope for your mom's case, too. Yeah, I'm super happy. Yeah, the, the, the key to it is just doing what you've been doing, which is uh, pushing. Uh, your family is pushing uh, this videos out there, which is going to continue to be, you know, in the in the forefront of everything. People will see this video um and and we'll 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 have the episodes. We have your episode. We're going to have your aunts on, uh, or we had your aunts on, and we'll have that episode live soon. This is recorded. That'll be out there, um, and it'll just keep going. You know, it, it if 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 it seems like the traction is starting to uh, die down a little bit, then then we'll figure something out. We'll have you back on. We'll have your aunt back on. We'll 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 convince your dad to come on. We'll we'll do whatever. You know, just get something else going for this. And I, I, I don't want to uh, let the uh, detail go go by. You mentioned that um, Global, you said Global is the company that is um, upholding their $10,000 reward. That's the company that owns the Extra Mart, which is really uh, impressive that they identified this. Yeah, they've been super helpful. They put out a, a press release for me um, and... They they actually didn't own this store at the time this happened, but they bought them because they're a very large company. And when I called them, they uh, felt it was the right thing to do to to uphold the the reward. And 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 so they've been great. You know, they do own all the extra marts now, uh, and they've been nothing but helpful. And I'm I'm very thankful for that. You know, because ten thousand dollars, you know, if, if it gets higher or whatever, it could make a big difference. Did you place a call to see if if they were still going to um, uphold that? I sure did. Yeah, it took me a little while to get to the right person, but I did. And, um, you know, she is actually in Oregon, so we have a little bit of a time difference. But uh, she's been great and, and really helpful. And like I said, they did a press release about Saturday, and uh, they're trying to, you know, do everything right, too. So it's very nice of them. With the event on Saturday... Is there anything in the back of your mind or the forefront of your mind considering that maybe somebody responsible or somebody who knows who's responsible might might see this, might pass by, might that you know be affected by it? Yeah, I mean the hope is that that you know it's a small like it's a small community. You know, it, I graduated with like 62 kids, maybe 80 or 85 now, I don't know. So it's it's super small and um Everyone knows everyone, and you know if the person who who did it or who was a part of it doesn't pass by, maybe their you know ex wife will, or or maybe their grandma will, or mom, or whatever. And um, you know, just trying to like ring some bells to get people to to think about this and what happened and how wrong it was, and to get them to do the right thing. Because you know, I, I said this before, someone knows something. And that's a burden as well. And it's time to, to let that go and, and move on. And if you're scared of the person who did this, it's 27 years later. You know, it's it's got to be at least 50 or, or, or older, you know. So it, it's really time to come forward and put this to rest, you know. Yeah, I, 
and and even if you are scared of the person who did it, there's there's ways to contact law enforcement under the radar. I mean, it, you know, j- just just this week we've we've had our share of contacting law enforcement, and we we see the results. They, they don't they don't give you information back, but you see that something was done. Um, and if somebody does know something about this crime, you figure out the way to word it you know figure out the way to drop that that tip to the police just something if if it leads to something concrete you know yeah so my phone number is on all of the um information numbers as well as as the police department and the sheriff's department the new detectives are great they're really working hard but i put my number on there as well because i know that sometimes it's scary to talk to the police and it can be intimidating even if they're nice good guys with the best intentions so um, sometimes I'll get a tip and then I'll pass it along and then I'll talk to the people and I'll be like, did they call you? So, you know, all this stuff is, is being followed up on. And, um, you know, like I said, in the Facebook, I have a Facebook group justice for Betty Conley. There's like over 800 um, members. It's not going away. It's, it's not going to be dropped or forgotten about. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's going to be pursued persistently. And, um, you know, it's really 27 years later, it's, it's time to, to let this go and, and let basically everybody move on. And how, how do you feel about how the investigation is going now? And I guess, uh, let me keep it the present tense, I guess now being after the video is out and now after uh, more publicity for your mom's case. Yeah, I, I don't, I feel like they're pursuing leads. Um, they, I'm really not super informed about details of anything because that's how these things seem to work. Um, but they've been really good and respectful about calling me when I call them and, and messaging me. And like I said, I know they're following up with people because I'm asking the people to let me know if they're following up with them, which I think is important as well. And if they don't, I'll email them and be like, Hey, did you talk to so-and-so? So, you know, this is one of the few unsolved crimes in Sarasota County. And, and if, if they can solve it, it's going to, you know, be really good for them as well. And, and I know they want to solve it. It's just a matter of making sure it stays a focus when there's like, you know, car thefts going on the day before or whatever. You know, it's about not letting it get dropped and, and keeping it present. So that that's the goal. And what was it like with law enforcement when it happened? What was your what was your um, experience with them? And what do you remember your family's experience with them being like? Well, I don't <laughs> I think it could have been better. For my family specifically, um, I I wasn't home the night that it happened. I was babysitting, so I was sort of not part of um, a lot of the questioning that happened because I was like you know an hour away or so. I know that my my dad and my brother had to to deal with them um, a lot more in ways that I would think would not happen now. Um, but that kind of thing, you know. Uh, all, although important and pertinent is not my focus. My focus is now because I can't change any of that. Um, I don't like what happened. I don't agree with it, but it's I can't essentially do anything about it if I want to get answers to this. So that's that's most important. Well, what were what were some of the um, things that you just said they did that you don't think they would have done now with your with your father and brother? Well, my brother was 15 and they brought him to the police station and they questioned him alone, which I don't think a 15 year old should be interrogated by police by themselves. Um, You know, they kind of automatically 
went to my dad as as the um, suspect, which is really unfortunate um, because he certainly didn't do it, and I think time was wasted. Um, the guy who was in charge then is since retired, so there's only a couple people around now who were there then, and uh, one of them is Mr. Zerlo, and he's actually the guy in charge, and I've just heard great things about him. Um, I don't know if I've ever met him personally. Um, but I think things could have been done better, for sure. But like I said, my focus now is, is this and, and getting this worked on and, you know, getting it solved. Um, the St. Rose, they do a cold case file with all their students, and they are offered to help with this case, and I'm hoping Saratoga County Sheriff accepts that help. Um, it was offered to them, and, and we'll see what they say, but... You know, I don't care who solves it. I just, I just want progress to be made. Yeah, absolutely. So St. Rose is the college there. Yeah, St. Rose is a really great college, and, and they have uh, students who are in in the the um, department who who work on cases like this. And you know, they're you know nineteen, twenty, twenty one year olds, whatever. And they're you know they're so techy now that they can figure out stuff that would take us you know or me anyways hours. So. I think the more people who look at it, who, who have that mindset and, and who are into solving crimes and, and have skills, because it takes a whole bunch of skills to come together to solve something, um, the better. Yeah, I mean, they should definitely open it up to, to those uh, those students. Those are those are bright students. Um, Jillian and Michelle just said we met some of the students there last year. They're talking about the, the ASOC conference. Um, and and that's it's it's incredible. They, they need to open that up. I mean, if... This is this is for free. <laughs> you know, it's like tax taxpayers money go into the college and these students are volunteering to do this as part of a program. Um, it's 100% for free. It's just about, you know, um, people accepting help and that that, you know, your politics, basically. But hopefully, hopefully they let them work on it, too. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the uh, American Investigative Society of Cold Cases that uh, that happens at the uh, College of St. Rose in Albany, I think, every year. And uh, we were there, I think it was 2019, um, Lance, and uh, time is so weird at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and so we, we actually met some law enforcement there, um, Saratoga uh, detectives. So that was pretty cool, and we were kind of working on a case um, – out of them, but but that that's not the same jurisdiction, right? Those aren't the same detectives. I guess. So this is Saratoga County Sheriff. Yeah. So I don't know if that's different than um, Saratoga Police or not. I'm not sure. I I just think they like throwing around Saratoga. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, people do that. <laughs> Yeah, and those students were really bright, um, and they were a lot of them were there for for the conference. It was a two day conference, as uh, Michelle and Jillian uh, were there as well, and they they mentioned, um, yeah, bright kids and skills that we don't have, you know, to like go find stuff online. So yeah, and resources, resources that we don't have. Um, yeah, they they just like they can reach out to a different department. I imagine if they have a question about x factor in this case they can reach out to another department that's studying something like that i'm sure i mean you have this whole ecosystem of uh ecosystem of of knowledge and information and, and resources yeah god damn and, it and make it happen it's like the state police i hope that they get involved as well yeah you know? right so this is just the, sh- the sheriff's office this hasn't gone to new york uh state police whatsoever 
Uh, they told me that there was a conference once about it with the state police, but I don't know the details. Um, I know that Saratoga County Sheriff has been primarily in charge of this case for the last 27 years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the extent to the state police being involved. I would probably like them to be involved more with all their resources and, and, and technology that they have so accessible. Um, but it, like I said, it's just about everyone coming together to try to, to solve this. And you 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 believe that the perpetrator is is still out there. You you think that this person is still healthy and functioning. I mean, my belief is they're either dead in jail or they're um, yeah some some type of addict. You know, I mean, to to kill someone that way for a hundred bucks doesn't really speak to me in anything other than desperate. So. Um, those are my and even if they're dead like we just want to know we just want answers and that's you know that's all that's all it's about thank you for listening to this fantastic show on the crawlspace media network we want to talk to you about another show on the crawlspace media network there are thousands of missing person cases in the united states but few have captured the attention imagination and passion that Maura Murray's 2004 disappearance has. It was even the subject of the Oxygen Network's six-part series, The Disappearance of Maura Murray. And Tim, no one knows this better than you and I because we started working on a documentary about Maura Murray in 2013, and this was an exploration into the fascinating world of citizen detecting. We started the podcast two years later and soon realized that we could do more in bringing answers to Maura's case as well as other cold cases. That's right. And the Maura Murray case has raised many ethical and social questions. How do we as true crime media interact with law enforcement, family and friends of victims, potential persons of interest? And how do we know when we've crossed that ever elusive line between ethics and entertainment? These are the issues that we deal with. So join us for the journey that is the Missing Maura Murray podcast. We started it in 2015. There are over 100 episodes on the disappearance of Maura Murray. We traveled to the site of her disappearance. We received actual threats. We hiked a mountain and we head to Canada with an obsessed journalist. So listen as the show grows and matures with support from a network of peers in the true crime arena. Listen to Missing Maura Murray on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, when we were talking to your aunt, they had described uh, a moment where your mom had, they described a moment where you, your mom had told them that she felt uncomfortable, felt uncomfortable about somebody being in there a couple of nights prior. And if this is the same person who did this, that type of person, the way your aunt's describe them based on your mom's description i don't see that type of person keeping their mouth shut about this because this person was edgy and um loud and was slamming things around and that type of personality at you know three in the morning two in the morning that i I, that type of person would tell somebody so there's people out there that know someone knows something and whether it's a mom or whether it's a wife or an ex-wife or a kid, someone knows something. And that's a burden for them as well. And, you know, it's it's time to let that go. Yeah. Yeah. There was um, <clears throat> the your aunt sort of sort of mentioned in that moment or after that moment really kind of mentioned that, you know, uh, that your mom might have been aware, like might have recognized this person. Is that is? Do you agree? Is that something you believe too? 
I think that she knew whoever did it, and that's why she was killed. Because she worked at a store literally across the street from the high school for many years. And the high school kids would go over there for lunch and to smoke cigarettes at the time because it was late 80s, early 90s. And she knew everybody. Like, she would say hi and was super friendly. And I, I think whoever did it was knew, knew that she could identify them. Or they were just so messed up on whatever they were on, they had no clue what they were doing. But, or both, you know? It's a small town. I, I, is it, is, is it uh, possible that this could have been like a student of, of, the, uh, of the school? Is it possible that the person still lives there? Yes, to both. Yeah. Blows my mind. I mean, uh, I think we looked this up when we had our interview, and I can look it up right now what the population of the town was, but it was like... It was like 1,700 or something like that. It might not have even... No, I, you know what I think it was? I think it was like 4,000 or something, 4,200. It's small. Let me let me look. I'm going to put myself on mute and look it up. If, if it wasn't that... If it wasn't the, the high school that I went to that my brother had to return to, it was a local one, like Burnt Hills or, you know, Schenectady or, or something like that. So, yeah, someone knows something. It's, it's so small out there. It was... In the middle of nowhere, it was the only place open overnight. It was the only place for someone to steal money to, to go get, you know, some drugs. It, um, they knew the floor was there. They knew it was open. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I just looked it up. It was 4,022. In 1993, the population was 4,022. And I just looked up um, the population of the town that I grew up in, in New Hampshire, in 1993. And it's 5,297. And I thought 5,297 was small. I knew everybody. We knew everything that happened in that town. Everybody knew everybody. And we're talking over a 1,000 people less in this town. There's no way that that person didn't know somebody. Yeah, someone knows. It's a super small town, like you said. Someone knows something. Like, I was at a wedding like five years ago, and, and someone random was like, "Oh, Linda, I'm so sorry about your mom." And I'm like, "Who? Like, who are you? Like, but everyone knows everything, so people know." It, is that a story that you've heard often too? Um, the story that your aunts told uh, about your mom. Um being kind of creeped out by someone. Um, I think it was twice too. I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't listened back to the interview yet, but uh, I think, I think she said that that person came in there twice. I've heard the story from a couple people, but I don't know too much other than having just heard the story. And you know, it, it could be that it, like it could be, there's so there's multiple names that have come up multiple times. So you try to figure out from these blocks of people who, who keep coming up, who is the person who did it? Was there ever a composite sketch that was done? Be- oh, there was. Okay. Is that something that's public? It was in the newspaper at one point in time. Yeah. I can't find it. Yeah. I yeah I'm, that. We should bring that back. Yeah. yeah. I might be able to find it. There's um, There was some talk about a white car. Uh, mm-hmm. There was talk about blonde haired male. Uh, tall. Those, those are some things that, that, that came up. So then the composite was based off of uh, your mom's uh, report of, of the guy who was creepy? I don't believe so. I think I, th- I think the composite was based off of a guy who passed by the store at that time and saw some, because they had gas pumps at the time, and he saw a person outside who 
who he described to the police. And that person hasn't been identified. It's not like the, he described this person and then they figured out who it was and they were like, no, it's not that person. As far as I know, they have not been identified. Talk to someone, I don't know. Yeah. Well, also there was a, um, your, your uh, mother had indicated to this person that the security camera was right there and that it was on. And unfortunately it wasn't recording. Um, which is which is kind of uh, kind of backwards in my head. Like I, I would have imagined that uh, the overnight shift would have had a recording just for the fact of maybe making sure that the employees don't steal or something. This has not been verified, but I think it was basically um, so when someone opened the door, it would ding. So if whoever was working was in the back knew someone came in, but that's like I said, it hasn't been verified. That's just what what I believe. And. Um... How much time do you think uh, the investigation lost uh, while focusing on your dad as a suspect? At least weeks. For sure. Weeks. Yeah, he had to deal with a lot of stuff from them. He had to take a lie detector, um, which once he took the lie detector test, they stopped talking to him, which makes me believe he passed it. But certainly weeks were, weeks happened where he was the prime suspect and Whoever did it had time to hide the gun and whatever else they had to do, you know. That was traumatizing as well, you know, to to have your dad investigated who was completely in love with your mother. And then, like, I know he didn't do it. I I want him officially cleared. Um, That's one of my goals in this as well. Um, He hasn't been officially cleared? He's not been officially cleared. (laughs) Have they officially cleared anybody? Uh, the word is that um, everyone is a suspect until they are not. Um, my brother was home that night, but because he's family, uh, his al- alibi is not sufficient to clear him, although they are not looking at him. Those are the words that, that I basically got. But for his sake, I want them to be like, he's not a suspect. And and I understand their perspective, like all that stuff. But a, a goal of mine is... is um, you know, he should be able to have a life. He's lived with this cloud of suspicion for 27 years. It's a small town. He goes to Stewart's and people know who he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and no matter what is said by police, he's always going to be that guy. Yeah. The and rumor mill, you know? And Lou is here and Lou is a, um, Lou has been a police officer for, I think, 116 years. And, um, and and he still looks uh he still looks like Bradley Cooper on on a good day, and I mean Bradley Cooper on a good day. Yeah, he looks, yeah. Not not Lou looks like Bradley Cooper on a bad day, um, right? Or Lou on a bad day looks like anyway. Bradley he said Cooper that on the, a good day. Yep. <laughs> you get <laughs> Bradley Cooper either way. Um, he said that uh, the the police will never uh never clear anyone in 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 any case, which is understandable. But I think after a certain period of time, wouldn't you wouldn't you think that there's just a duration where you where where you're monitoring somebody and you're like, well, he's this person's never gotten in trouble since he's clearly clearly not the the culprit here. I, I mean, isn't there like a? I guess there can't be. I can't. I, I guess there can't be that space for um, a compassionate uh, clearing. You know, I guess you can't do that legally. But short answer from Louis said no. Okay. Yeah, I see that, and and I, you know, it's a simple case of them covering their own asses. 
Um, but I think it's really the compassionate thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to argue with that. Um, and we cover a lot of missing person cases. So I, I wonder if that's a little bit different in that way. Um, I wonder if Lou can, uh, can answer that. Um, and you know what? We should probably open it up. What do you think? Uh, you guys okay opening up this uh, fourth box? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm cool opening it up. I, I feel like your shirt, Linda, is getting quite a uh, positive reception here. I like the palm trees. The palm trees? <laughs> uh, you can have one, too. They're at Marshall's. <laughs> oh, oh, I love Marshall's. Don't. <laughs> I'll be at Marshall's three, three to four days a week if I could. <laughs> I just want to say that I had a um such a horrible uh your aunts were telling us how bad they are at technology and I had such a horrible day with technology during um like before their interview during their interview we we had an interview with somebody and um Tara's in the, in the chat room oh too. yeah yeah Tara's in the, yeah so we had, <laughs> we had an interview with Tara and she had said um she had she, before we started she had said uh no video which she just meant like she didn't want the the it was a zoom and she just meant she didn't want the zoom part of it being out there yeah so instinctively i just didn't hit record because she said no video and i was like oh and like 42 minutes in tim texts me and goes are you recording this and i was like no and then he was like we got to stop guys it, it's it, it wasn't even recorded we lost an entire interview had to reschedule it and then later on that day we're interviewing your aunts super emotional they they you know they're giving great stories about your mom and they have the picture of your mom between them and they're doing so well and we end and tim and i were talking and i i went to um i had the cursor right over the the stop record button and and it was literally mid-sentence we were like guys i was so emotional what a good time and and i was i i hit stop to stop the recording and it cut the whole zoom call so it just made it look like we just hung up on him. It made it look like we just did this emotional interview and we were like, thanks a lot, lady. Bye. Yeah. Well, oh. they didn't say anything to me about it. So <laughs> well, I... I, I called and then I emailed and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I, I was just like falling over myself apologizing because, I mean, they just threw their hearts out there. <laughs> and then the second it ended, we were like, peace. It was like, it was like, you know, wow. It was like, okay, that was a great way to end it. We're going to cut here. Boom. <laughs> done <laughs> see you later yep. but uh they're super cute you know they they're they're my mom had uh seven siblings she was one of eight and they're one of the last couple siblings remaining so they had a, a rough beginning in life which i'm sure you heard about and um they're just like the, the cutest ladies and uh, like i was saying earlier to lance i was like i'm sure i'm excited to listen to it because i know there's going to be some gems in there that that i've never heard and i'm just going to probably get a chuckle out of you know Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they also said that your mom worked five jobs. I can, I can barely work one. Like she, <laughs> five jobs, and and how many jobs did your dad work? Well, my dad had a couple jobs too. You know, they're both um, very hardworking uh, folks. My mom didn't graduate high school because um, she wanted to spend time with her sister, who she never got to see, and. Um, so she just, she hustled, you know, she did all those really hard jobs, you know, prep cook, um, making food at a, like a diner. Um, she worked at a, a greenhouse. Like she, she just did all kinds of things just to, 
to keep the family, you know, with an income. And um, my dad did all miscellaneous um, jobs as well. And they're just good, you know, hardworking people, good people. We also asked your aunts if um, what they thought your mom would be doing for an occupation now. And uh, I want to see if the answer is kind of similar. What would your mom be doing now? What do you, what do you think her occupation would be or, or what would she be doing? Yeah, I don't. It's funny they had an answer because I don't. I don't know that I have an answer for that. They they talked about how bright she was, just how how what a ray of sunshine, and um, how she she just brought brought joy to people. They talked a lot about that. She had a great smile that was super contagious. So, you know, she probably could have been like a counselor or something. You know, helping people, supporting people. I know she wanted to do some traveling, which she she never got to do, uh, which makes me sad. Um, so she really could have done anything she wanted. You know, people liked her and she was warm and um, she was a good person. She, they said that she had a, a, a um, an incredible green thumb and they were they were certain that she would be doing something in the horticulture field. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> Only good of that right now, aren't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we we have this, uh, guys. I think we're bottlenecking here. Everyone wants to get on. Guys, get on. <laughs> um. So eight siblings, huh? My gosh. So how many cousins then do you have? You know that. So my mom's side of the family, uh, there was a lot of tragedy, and um, there are a lot, but I don't know a lot of them because everyone got so so spread out because they all had to go to foster homes um and then a bunch of them died pretty young in like their 40s so there's a lot i don't like i said i don't really know a lot of them um but it's just like my mom's mom died when so my grandmother basically died when my mom was like 10 or something like that like and then they all got you know spread out to the different homes to, to grow up and, and they didn't get to see each other and um this is real you know not not the best and and then she met my dad and they got married within like a year and then they had me within a year and they were about to be married for 19 years and I would hear them in the morning at like 5 a.m sitting at the coffee table having coffee talking about their day and and, and what they were going to do and I would see them like kiss and he would like touch her butt or something after like 19 years and i would just be like (laughs) you know so like it was it wasn't it was they were they were they were happy like they were good and um they're very fortunate and so she was at at a good place so you know my brother was 15 he was about to um you know graduate high school in three or four years and and the could the two of them could have done all kinds of cool things together and they both lost out on that Sorry for the lance. It's a goddamn tragedy. It really is because there's so many, so many miserable people in the world, you know. And then you have so many good people, uh, like your parents, and you know, just that memory of of you hearing them at like five five thirty in the morning talking. You know, mo- some people don't even talk at all, all day. You know. Yeah, that was their time to like get up and like connect before us kids started bugging them. You know. Yeah. Uh, you you had told us a story about um, 
your mom putting flowers on other people's graves. Uh, can you can you tell that story again? Because I think it's just a I think it's a great story, and um, I just just for me personally, I would love to hear it again. But I think the the people here would like to hear it as well. Yeah. So uh, my aunt Rosie, who is my mom's sister, actually told me this, and um, she said that my mother went over to her house with like a a pallet of uh, flowers. And uh, Rosie's like, what are we going to do with those? And my mom was like, well, half are for you. And we're going to go to the cemetery and we're going to plant the other half at the graves where it doesn't seem like people have been visiting. And so the two of them went to the cemetery and planted these little flowers at these graves that had been, you know, uh, maybe not uh, looked at for a while. And for me, I had never heard that story before. And I was just like, wow, like... I, when she told me that, I think I was like crying. I was like, that is like the sweetest thing to do ever, you know, to think about something like that. So, uh, and I don't know if Rosie told you that story again, but, um, oh yeah. Yep. It symbolizes her in a lot of ways. It's very sweet. Yeah. And, and, uh, Ryan Coitello, what's going on? How's it going? Hey guys. I'm well. Thanks. Hi, uh, Linda. I'm really sorry to hear about uh, your mom. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask something, if that's all right. I, I was just listening a little bit. Um, did you say that the the security camera at the shop happened to be off that day, or it just pointed in the wrong direction? What, what was the? Yeah, my knowledge is that it was not a a security camera that actually recorded. It was basically a camera that was there um, to let the person working that night, if they were in the back, to let them know that someone had come in the front door. So I don't know if there's any footage or anything like that. But the shop had a camera that was theoretically pointing at the desk that looked like it was. That's interesting. Yeah. Do Do you know the shop owner? Uh, I do not know the shop owner. Um, it has um, changed hands many times since then. Um, yeah, but I don't know who owned the shop. You didn't at the time? Did you ever get a chance to talk to that person? I never got a chance to talk to the person who owned the Extra Mart. There, it, it wasn't like a little mom and pop place. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a... I don't know if it was a franchise at the time or, or what it was, but there are multiple extra marks throughout um, upstate New York. So, um, you know, there was a manager there, and, I, and I've heard a couple things about the manager, um, but um, yeah, I haven't I haven't learned too much about that. And did you know if the owner or the manager were were married at the time? I, you know, I've heard the manager was a lady. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know the details of of her. She was married. It really plays into the perp's favor that the camera, though it was pointing at the camera, it didn't it didn't work. Hey, I don't know that if it didn't work or if it wasn't that kind of camera. You know, it's really a lucky streak for whoever did that, though. That's the only. That's just. It seems weird. Even like anyone, even trying to rob the place, would immediately look for a camera. And as soon yeah. as they saw one, you'd think that they wouldn't pull anything. Or knock it down or something like that. Yeah. You know? so. I think, I think, um, Tim, am I hallucinating this? Didn't, 
didn't Rose and and Marie say that the uh, the camera was knocked down off the wall? Yeah, they they said that it um it wasn't recording, um but it was on as as Linda said it it would show someone in the back uh that there was someone in there and and you, you would see the video but it wasn't actually recording, um so it was just used for that one purpose and then this person who came in and asked um was asking about the cameras this is a one a, a person that um that he was sort of unnerved by and. Um, asked about like uh, where you know if they're recorded and things like that and apparently she said yes and then yeah you're right Lance uh, that that one camera I believe was knocked down which just which just (laughs) makes the person kind of stupid if they think that they can knock a camera off the wall and that would disable whatever recording um, was transmitted back to uh, the device you know Uh, it's not going to take away the footage but I, I see where you're where you're uh, coming from, Ryan. And um, I just want to give Linda a quick background. Uh, Ryan looks into cases uh, ex- like very detailed. Like he's one of the responsible um, citizen detectives that are that's in our universe. And um, that is a that's an excellent point. Like someone knew the camera was there. Someone wasn't afraid that the camera was there. Sort of seems like it. Yeah, and I think it also speaks to maybe more than one person. You know, someone knocked it down and then someone did whatever. That's interesting. More than one person. So that's something that you've uh, considered in the past. Is that something that the police have considered? Do you do you know? I think so. Yeah, like I said, there's a there's a a few blocks of names that have come up multiple times from multiple places that are not connected, and it's just a matter of trying to to nail down specifics and you know in 1993 there is certainly less of a paper trail than there is now so i think it's a little more difficult to figure out oh they have an alibi is it accurate or are they just saying that because it's 27 years later and who knows so then it becomes based on the police work that was done 27 years ago and if that was any good and thorough and it's all a big check back game you know Listen, I'm going to go. Uh, thanks for the nice note, Lance. Um, Linda, I, I hope uh, you can find some answers. Um, maybe I'll see you those around again. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, and Shannon in the chat room asks, how can someone just steal somebody's life so casually? Yeah. Uh, unanswerable question, I mean. Yeah, I yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a ridiculous question that needs to be asked. And um, I, th- I think about all, like, uh, uh a, a case like that with so many years that have passed, uh, things will continue to surprise you. There, there was a, a case that happened close to my hometown that you know Tim knows about and some people know about the Craig Lane murder. And he was 17 years old and he was stabbed. Um, I think like 20 something times. And you know, the rumor mill was all over the place. I remember my sisters talking about it. Uh, and there was no evidence, a lot of blood, no evidence, a composite sketch that was just um, given by a, a man and his young daughter who had pulled up to the gas station, uh, just saw the the, per, the person in the, in the headlights and they ran off and it was the middle of winter. So, you know, everything's like cold and, and you know, no one's expecting to pull up to a gas station and, and see what they saw. And um, so that was in 1987 and I believe in, ni- in 2000... I want to say 2005, 2004, 2005, someone had 
dug up, not even deep, they had dug up behind one of the uh, department stores that was across the street from where this occurred. So that was in 1987, and I think in 2004, 2005, someone dug up blood-stained receipts that were from that night. And and it was it was after years of police saying there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, as much as you think there should be something, there's nothing. And then I, I don't even know how it happened. Someone was like walking their dog and they they saw a they saw a paper that looked like it had blood on it blood from 1987 so i mean as much as it feels like it's cold and and people are saying there's nothing to go on you never know you know there something's out there and and it could be found yeah that's why it has to stay in the, in the public eye so that people are thinking about it and looking at it and not just uh, letting it not be paid attention to yeah, absolutely. I mean, could you imagine somebody walking around there and maybe doing some construction, coming across something that they just can't explain, coming across a gun that that was thrown somewhere? And 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 if 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 you're not there on Saturday putting up signs and and those lawn posters, if that doesn't happen and that and someone's around there and they find a gun part and they don't know like oh this is an old gun part. I don't know. It could have been a hunting thing. You know, someone could have like dismantled their gun hunting or something. They could, they could throw it away. Now your signs are there. That's going to the police. They're, 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 they're just going to want to do that. I would imagine. Yeah. There's a hundred lawn signs blown out in the area. I have a thousand flyers. I have a three by 10, um, vinyl, um, sign that I need to figure out where to hang. Um, so that, that stuff's coming out and, you know, maybe the person who did it or the, or the person who, who was there isn't going to see it, but someone they know is going to see it. And that's what's so huge about Facebook, too. You know, a lot of people who who are on there, you know, maybe over 40 and, and they all use it all the time and, and share it. And that's why the video was so important, because, you know, I, I would imagine that someone who knows something actually saw the video. And then they had to think about it. And I think the person who knows something has probably thought about saying something a thousand times. It, it just hasn't actually come out. And and it can come out now. And, and it, you know, they can let that go and, and, and move on. And like I said to you guys before, it's 2020. Like, legit, anything could happen. And I think it's time for, for this. To... Yeah. And you have actually put your phone number out in the public on uh... – I'm looking at a uh, at a at a news article online. That's your is that a phone number that you just set up for this specifically, or that's not like your private number, is it? That's my direct cell. That's your, that's cell, your phone. cell phone. That's ballsy. I'm sorry that 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 takes some. That's your direct cell, so that's right there in the public. If anyone has any information, they can call your cell phone. Yeah, Greg Overacker. He's the only one that does that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll my numbers public anyways. I you know I'm I'm in the business random people call me for for jobs all the time it it wasn't that stressful for me to put it out there um have i had thoughts that the person knows that i'm looking for them sure that's fine you know they can know but if someone's more comfortable talking to me which i would be more comfortable talking to a person than calling the police like that's stressful and that you're less likely to say something so if you see me as a person and, and it motivates you to to come forward with information great let's do it you know, and what is the plan with the um with the documentary that your friend Leanne is making? Is it is there more that she's going to be shooting? Yeah, so she she um she 
she did some stuff with me uh, actually talking to, to Rosie. Uh, she said she would be there on Saturday to film some stuff. Um, she, you know, she has a, a thriving uh, video business and uh, a young kid and stuff, so she's super busy as well. And um, I don't know what the next steps are in, in all that part. Um, I should be better at recording myself, but I, I don't do that when I make calls and whatnot. Um, but we're just going to have to see. I have a friend. Uh, her name is Chris. She's a writer, freelance. She's helping me, you know, collecting information and, and working on it. And, um, you know, she's kind of like, so we grew up without a lot of money. And she's like, you guys didn't have a lot of money when this happened. And she's like, I feel like if you had money, it would be a different story. And I'm like, totally true. So like. She's kind of, kind of working on, you know, that, that part of it a little bit. Uh, so there's, you know, I'm very fortunate of a lot of people who, who want to help and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. And, uh, man, another, another hour is almost completely, uh, gone by. It flies on these, uh, Thursday nights, but, um, I don't want to. I don't want to have this uh, show end without you talking about your your profession. You are a photographer, um, and you're a great photographer. And we'll pop a link in the messages. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to get into photography? So it wasn't anything intentional, you know. After my mom was killed, I went to um, Adirondack Community College and I got a criminal justice degree. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily for me. So I moved to New Orleans for a few years, and I was. Uh, slinging coffee and um, kind of in between I'd come up here and work at a photo lab a one hour photo lab back in the day when you would drop off film and uh, one of the people were like you know you got you're creative you got a good eye come back and, and you can assist me at, at weddings and I didn't feel like I had much of a direction and I came back and, and I started assisting her at weddings and I started doing like my own photography stuff and I had shows with my own work and um in 2004, I stopped working at a photo lab and I did wedding photography full time and I've done it full time ever since. So I just like to make things. And that that's part of that. So you specifically love wedding photography. And I enjoy people, uh, people's weddings. And when people are like super in love and it's very vibey and y'all feel good, that sort of thing. I think I like making things in general. Like I make stuff out of wood as well and um, tables huh. and and whatnot, um, wedding photography was an avenue to, to have a career, um, but it, it definitely is a kind of a feel-good um, feel as well. I'm so glad that you like it as a feel-good industry. Uh, Tim and I did our share of uh, wedding videography, and I just feel like that's a completely different animal. The The clients tend to expect the video as fast as they get the pictures, and that's uh, not the case. And I think we just went for the wrong clientele. You're, I was looking at your website. You have, it looks like you have clientele that is very down-to-earth and very uh, like reasonable. <laughs> I'm very fortunate. You know, I, I, I this is who I am. I put myself out there. This is who I am. And um, people are like, cool. Or like, you know, you're, there's someone out there for everybody, you know? So you show people your true colors and, and they'll, you know, you guys will match. So very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get, I get like anxiety when I think of the wedding video, uh, what, stories. Well, the, it, with video, it's, uh, you get one take at like the, the couple's first kiss, you get one take at the flower girls dropping the stuff down. And if you, and then like during the reception, like, you know, on, on, 
Aunt Karen bounds over you with her drink, and she's like, "You got the kid right. You shot the. You got the video of the kid dancing, right? He's dancing. Like, yeah, lady, lady, I got it. Thank you. Thanks. Got that? Here, take my camera. You want to go get it? Take my camera. Well, you, you guys, you just record everything. The photographer has to like be bossy. So there's. There's the positive side oh, for that's you guys. True. <laughs> that's Oh, that's true. true. There's yeah. definitely moments where we took uh, great comfort in knowing that we, you know, we had to be the guys who stood in the corner. Like, oh, I don't want, I'm not in the way. I can't get in the way. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be in the way. Or when the phone moves right after, you're like, bye, see you later. And the like, <laughs> <laughs> I never knew there was such a, such a, such a rivalry between the photographer <laughs> and the, the <laughs> This is the way it is, you know? Oh. Yeah.